what point in time do we stop looking at Willie Z as a hard luck kid and start calling him a choke artist? Because he keeps finishing second and all the... Maybe. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome back to the You're Still Out Golf podcast, part of the Sports Pros Network, where we're always talking sports, so let's start the conversation. The voice that you heard off the jump was your regular quarterback behind the controls, Mr. Keith Needham. He will have some things to answer to once he gets back from Canton, Ohio, and the fantasy sports conference that he's attending. In the meanwhile, I will be your host this evening alongside the one, the only, Scooter Gers. Scott, how are you this evening? I'm doing good, doing good. Had a full weekend of golf, ready to uh, talk about it and get going. So, uh, how are you doing? I'm doing well, my friend, doing well. Uh, There was a lot of golf on this weekend. Uh, A lot of sports on in general this weekend, obviously preseason NFL firing off with the Hall of Fame game, about to get hot and heavy with college football. Obviously, the place to be for all your sports viewing needs is the one, the only Chalk Luxury Sports Bar. Everybody at this point surely knows about Chalk. They're in Chisholm Creek Plaza, 1324 West Memorial is the address. Punch it into your GPS, and you will be whisked away to the best sports viewing experience in Oklahoma City. Uh, Was there uh, not too long ago with our man Keith watching a little EPL. Uh, Excited to be back again. You know, PGA Tour playoffs are here, and this Thursday and Friday at Chalk, a great place to take in the BMW Championship over your lunch hour. That is Chalk Luxury Sports Bar. The Year Still Out podcast is championed by chalk scotty what up we got to get um keith held accountable for his takes obviously we know that uh, willie z is now a pga tour winner uh lots to talk about for sure but uh you know keith is uh it's a strong take by keith there i mean I think you and I kind of, I don't know, maybe bit our lip a little bit, mainly knowing for the fact the guy's going to eventually win one. Um, it's only been two years. He's got like 17,000 runner-ups, so he might as well, you know, in two years he's going to win one. Uh, so I was I was happy for him, for sure. We'll get there eventually. We'll talk about the uh, St. Jude, but... Uh, we got a lot to talk know. about, man. Where do you, where do you want to start? Where, what do you think? Yeah, well, I think, you know, Everyone was hyped up about that U.S. Uh, women's amateur. I mean, what do you think? We, I mean, we feel like we got to start at Chambers Bay, right? God, dude, Chambers Bay looked so good on TV. I mean, it's kind of crazy how certain courses just pop on TV in terms of a broadcast perspective. And I don't know, dude, that's got to be towards the top of the list in terms of broadcast and the way the course popped for sure. So Chambers was was uh, was definitely one of the stars. And that I think it was I think it was Thursday night because um, you know Chambers Bay just for yeah. those who don't know just outside of Seattle, so West Coast, you know, late night uh, primetime viewing. 
And I think it was Thursday night that the coverage went late, um, went over by like 90 minutes. And it was like the only thing on TV. Uh, the golf was good. The, it was like the Rolex presented, you know, un, no commercial interruptions. I, I don't know, dude. I think it's probably one of the best viewing experiences of the year when you combine all those things together. And, and the golf was was big time as well. Um, probably the uh, Chambers Bay would have been the star of the show if it weren't for Saki Baba. Do, do we get to the winner? What What are your thoughts on What are your thoughts on Saki? Uh, I mean, she's pretty good. Uh, <laughs> the swing alone, I mean, the swing is phenomenal. Uh, the putter is hot. Um, yeah, I just thought, I mean, it was pretty, pretty tough, you know, one-two combo right there with, I just thought the swing was just like, there's no flaw in it. And then two, she gets the putter out and it's just like making everything inside. I felt like, so, I mean, it's kind of want to give it back to you. Kind of, you know, you're more of the women's, I guess, you know, a lot more about it than I do, but like I, before we get to more of that, I mean, I, I got to ask, like, is Chambers Bay, like, accessible to you and I to go play it? Or is that a hard place for somebody to get in to go play? Public golf course, my friend. It is a public golf course? Public golf That's course. Incredible. I mean, the eye candy alone of just the course was fantastic. But I got to say, these ladies have incredible swings. I mean, not only did the winner like have like this incredible like smooth, beautiful swing, but like anytime anybody was on the like a, an iron in hand, it was just fun to watch. I mean, it's just some of these swings are just like flawless. I guess I would say there's I didn't I didn't really see a swing that you just go, oh man, I got a better swing than that. You know what I'm saying? Like sure. it's just smooth and easy and and pretty. So I guess that's the best way to do. It. But yeah, but. uh Congrats to the winner. Um, I'm not going to say her name because I'll blow it. Um, <laughs> this one's actually pretty simple. I feel like the Japanese names are the easiest of all <laughs> of the Asian countries less, to pronounce. Less syllables. There's just kind of less going on there. And it actually kind of pronounces how it reads in, in yeah. most cases. So, yeah, Saki Baba was, uh, was the champ. And I she... Feel like I've- Cruised. I feel like I've done like five or six of those when I'm at, you know, eating some, eating some of the food. You know, I always take like, oh, it's a sake bomb. That's what it is. <laughs> she was hitting some sake bombs. There's no yes, doubt about she was, it. So, um, no doubt. And she, eleven, like they, so the the championship match is a 36 hole final, right. and she won over. Um, yeah, who was she playing in the finals against? It was almost rendered kind of. Um, obsolete that since Saki played so well. Uh, Monet Chun, I believe it was, yeah, from from Canada. And she beat her 11 and 9, which is, for the uninitiated, a complete beatdown. Equaled the biggest win in the event's history by uh, the 11 and 9 margin. She got so far ahead that they actually delayed the start of the second 18 so that it wouldn't be over before the coverage came on TV. I saw that on Twitter today. They literally said, ladies, we're going to wait another hour before we start because we actually need some of this to be on TV. And she uh, kept the pedal to the metal. 
Uh, Babe Zaharias, the famous uh, female athlete, one of the most famous female athletes of all time, uh, was who she equaled in that 11 and nine win. Uh, just uh, just complete complete annihilation. It was it was it was crazy to watch. Probably the the funnest round was that uh, I think it was the round of uh, 32. I think that was um, when it was on that late Thursday night. All sorts of great matches. Uh, anybody else um, kind of make an impression on you uh, while you uh, the, for the for the fair amount that you were able to take in? Uh, no, I mean I pretty much zoned in on you know you know me I'm kind of the front runner of the group. I liked watching the ones that you know absolutely just put the uh, pedal to the floor and go. And so seeing that eleven and nine, but I, I, that's where I was going to ask you of like who else did you see out there that you kind of. Kevin yeah. Watson, you think's very talented type of thing that's gonna, hey, keep your keep your eye on this one, even though she didn't maybe win. Yeah, no, for sure that's got to be Amari Avery. She um, she's a, gonna be a sophomore at USC, yeah. and like kind of a psycho dad kind of story. Like her dad, just a kind of crazy Earl Woods kind of type. Um, Is she the one that has uh, something on Netflix? Yep. Isn't there like? Yep. There was a yeah. documentary on junior golf on Netflix several years ago, and she was featured in it. This is when she was, gosh, she might have been like 13 or something. And um, so she is now kind of all that's coming to fruition. And she looks, honestly, like she looks unbeatable. I mean, she was blowing it by. Uh, the girl she played, uh, Bailey Shoemaker, by like 60 yards, just unreal. Now, she turns around and she doesn't get it done. Bailey Shoemaker ends up beating her in that round uh, of 16. I think I said 32, the round of 16. But she she looks the most, like, too already. Um, looks like she's good to go. Uh, probably Brianna, I think it was, God, I'm going to talk about butchering last names, Navarosa. Uh, also a USC product. She was just fun to watch. Short little thing. Her driver, I feel like, was almost up to her like cheekbones. She was so short. Uh, but just awesome action. Those were a couple that stuck out. But again, that you know, I think it was Thursday night when you had all those matches going. Um, you had late night TV. You had even out there, it was, the sun was setting. The light was awesome on that, that golf course. Um, pretty cool. So those are a few folks that made an impression. Um but yeah, amateur like golf, man, and particularly female amateur golf. It just, and I don't know if it's balanced against like all the live stuff where it's just like, this seems like they really do care about winning out there. And it's like, they, they were heartbroken when they lose their match. And, you know, there can only be one winner, but just good right. theater overall. Right. Where well, do you want to go now? I think we got to get to Willie Z, man. Got to get to yeah. Willie Z. The St. Jude, uh, technically the FedEx St. Jude Championship is its yep, full that's it. name. Uh, first year as a playoff event. And, um, you know, it looked like it was going to be kind of a stinker for 54 holes, uh, maybe 36 holes. The leaderboard was not shaping up to be great for the uh, PGA Tour's kind of premier playoff run. But uh, it got good in a hurry that last hour. Some playoff craziness. Uh, let me throw this at you. The 18th hole at TPC Southwind looks so uncomfortable for these guys. I mean, hard dog leg left, water down the left, 
two bunkers down the right, trees down the right. I mean, you had you had to fit an absolutely perfect shot in there. Ridiculously uncomfortable hold. Did you get that sense? <clears throat> excuse me from these guys because it again that's the word that just kept coming to mind certainly in the playoff but really all through that final round just seeing guys try to navigate 18 it seemed like an uncomfortable situation for these guys that do not like to be uncomfortable yeah absolutely i mean 18 you know i kind of sat there and was like all right so playoff how are they going to do this you know and then i'm like i look at it and i go oh it's 18 and then if it still hasn't been decided you go to 18 again and then if it still hasn't been decided you got to go to 11 but like Neither one of those guys, I mean, Zalatoris didn't look like he was comfortable hitting a tee shot like all Sunday. Yep. But which is which is rare. I feel like that's kind of uh, like a huge strength is Zalatoris on the tee. Definitely has been this um, year, no doubt. So, yeah, it looked like they both wanted to look at each other and go, "Hey, are you like good good? Like let's just go like 180 out, you know, like just put both of us in the fairway and just be like, we're going to start here, guys." But, yeah, neither one of them wanted – I mean, Straka got so lucky on – I think it was this, the second 18 on 18, the on his – I don't know how that didn't bounce left into the water. Um, and then Zalatoris, you could just see, like, he just didn't want to go left, and he just kept on pushing it right into the fans pretty much. Um Yeah, they both did not look comfortable. But at the same time, as soon as they got off the tee box, they both looked – our our balls are both up. We don't care where we're at. We're not in the water or I'm not in the sand or I'm not in somebody's lap. Um, They both could stuff it to 10 feet. And it's just so weird to me how these guys can do that. Well, I think it goes to show you a little bit, you know, honestly, contrasting it with what you said about the ladies that have, you know, seemingly like not only are their golf swings awesome, but the accuracy that they have off the tee. It's like you just, you right. hardly ever see them miss a fairway. And that is not the case on the PGA Tour where, you know, hitting it a long way is, um, you know, paramount. Accuracy is not, and when you have a fairway like 18 at TPC Southwind where you have to hit an absolutely perfect right. tee shot because it's either, you know, Willie Z kept hitting driver, and I believe on in regulation on 18, he hit it through the fairway into the bunker. Right. He was able, he, he technically didn't even hit the fairway on his first playoff hole. It ran through. Ran through. And then his... The third Second time he played one. it, he hit it well through the right. fairway. I think it even like hit the cart path and almost went out of yep. OB. Um, yeah, it almost went OB. Yep. That's and right. then Straka, you know, I didn't, I don't remember what he did in regulation, but he, you know, he basically hit three wood uh, right. every time. And to try to somehow fit it in the fairway, he managed to do it on the first playoff hole. And then to your point, should not have stayed up, but l- lucky to not hit it in the water. Ended up having to take a drop anyway. Right. He didn't want to have to hit with his feet in the water. So, yeah, I, that was probably my big early takeaway from the playoff craziness is that that fairway was so tough. But then it got even crazier <laughs> when we get to the par 3 11th, which was the third playoff hole. I don't know how Willie Z's ball stayed up. For those who didn't see it, 
11 at Southwind is a 155-ish yard par three that has water right and has a kind of a rock wall surrounding the green that can't be more than, what, 8 to 12 inches in right. kind of in width. And Willie Z goes first, and his ball, I think they counted it, bounced six times or eight times? I don't know. Yeah, it, it, it was at least six. Know, yeah, bounced like, was... like Plinko and somehow stayed on this ridge. And then because of that, you know, I think Straka, so it, I think Straka thought that Willie Z was going to have a chip at it. Because there's no way, if he knew exactly where Willie Z's ball was at, that he doesn't just go middle of the green and um, instead kind of takes dead aim, hits it long into the bunker. He makes a mess of it. They get up there, and Willie Z cannot hit his ball, right? So yeah. just crazy, I guess, crazy well, that ball goes, stayed up. Struck his tee shot in the water. Yeah, that's right. Struck his tee shot in the water. And so the lucky part was he thought he had – um, yeah, he thought he Willie Z probably with, had an easy four. Yeah, yeah, and the, what the crazy thing is, is, and all of that is, I honestly, I know the whole TV and everything that went on, um, and I want to get back to another thing too. But like Willie Z, I really think acted like he was going to hit that, knowing in the back of his mind he never was, right? Because it made Straka continue to play his ball because he was out. Yep. And so Straka hits it in the water, has to go back to the drop zone, hits from the drop zone into the sand trap, and Straka is still out. Yep, yep, yep. He has to hit again. And then once he's on to like six feet from out of the sand, it is now Willie Z's chance to determine what he's going to do. So he picked, you know, obviously he kind of did maybe look at it a little bit, but he picks up, goes back to the drop zone, puts it to like four feet, and obviously wins it. But what's all crazy about this whole thing, too, is how good was Willie Z's putter down the stretch? Absolutely I mean, clutch. You have to talk about it. Not only that, but like, I, I, you know, being a huge Willie Z fan, and I know you are too, but like, I, in the sports world, you always get nervous when you're playing somebody that's done it before. Straka has a win this year. Right. So he's done it. Honda, right? Yeah, I think yeah. that's right. Yeah. I, think, I think that's right. But he's he, he has a win. Zalatoris doesn't have a win, and I'm sitting going, here we go again. He's going up against a guy that knows how to win. Zalatoris kind of knows how to win, but he has he doesn't have the win yet, right? Right. And so just that thir- that 13 footer where he just showed so much emotion uh that was awesome um and even just the next couple putts but i got to give straka straka blows the birdie putt by to win by like 6 or 7 feet and just drains the comebacker and that's what really good that's what really good putters do is they can be aggressive on the birdie putt and if they blow it by they make the comebacker that's what good putters do and i i just thought man this even though it's not the big names of Cam Smith and Scheffler and Xander and Rory, I just thought it was still really, really good golf that these guys are being aggressive. They're going for it. They're making the comebackers. Um, yeah, he won on you know he wins on a bogey, but they were being aggressive. They were going for the pin. I mean, it was fun for me to watch. I enjoyed it, um, and it's awesome to see Willie Z get a win. 
you're dead right on the putting, man. Like both on, with both of them, Straka was absolutely nails with the putter. Yeah, impressive. And then you know Willie Z definitely in the playoff was as clutch with the putter as as we've seen him be. That putt that he made on in regulation to to make the par and, and I guess you'd say at that point stay in the lead. Right. Um, he hadn't made a putt outside of ten feet all day, and then in the playoff makes two to kind of stay alive. I guess one in, one in regulation, one in the playoff. And I think right. that last putt was like seven or eight feet. Uh, but again, not a not a gimme by any means. And uh, I think that we had said it a few weeks ago. Maybe it was after the U.S. Open. That um, you know the putter is no longer an issue. I mean, I, we've right. been, we've said that a couple of months ago that that that's not a problem. Even though it doesn't look good, doesn't look pretty from a stroke yes. perspective. That is not an issue, and it was uh, good to see that be the thing that he kind of rode. Because uh, you're right, he was all over the fucking ballpark <laughs> on off no the tee, dude. He had no he clue where it was going. It. I thought yeah. there was no way he could win with that, and uh, he he got it done. Uh, very impressive. Happy to see him get his first win. He moves to first in the FedEx Cup playoff rankings uh, going into the BMW Championship, which we will talk about uh, coming up a little bit later in the podcast. Let's talk about about that Cam Smith ruling. (laughs) Okay, let's talk Cam Smith ruling. So uh, uh, You you explain it. You, you, You explain what the heck that went on. Yeah, uh, I'll do my best. I'll do my best. So, like I said, it was looking like a bit of a dud of a leaderboard until Cam and Willie Z had nice rounds on Saturday to get themselves in contention. I believe Cam Smith finished the day third round at 11 under, which would have been a couple back of the lead and um, shaping up to be somewhat of a PGA Tour nightmare if the guy who is uh, allegedly going to live, um, wins the golf tournament. He would have gone to first in the FedEx, really set him up well. Um, but I think the rules kerfuffle was all about not only what he did wrong, but the way it got, um, what, what would you say, resolved. So during his round on Saturday, he had to take a drop on a part of, from an approach shot. And when he took his drop, he um, placed it on the, the red line hazard. Well, when you place your ball in a drop, it can't be on that red line because the red line is considered part of the hazard. And nobody caught it. He chips up there, I think makes his whatever that would have been, bogey or double, and moves on with his day, cards his round. Well, it wasn't until like 11 p.m. that night that a rules official sees it on um, kind of a replay of the broadcast calls it in and they don't resolve the matter until the next morning. So he gets a two stroke penalty for improperly placing his ball that drops him back to nine under par. He is then four back, uh, going into the last round instead of two back. And while it didn't totally barbecue his chances, um, certainly was a factor. So, where do you want to go from here, Scott? <laughs> uh, gosh, you hate to see it. Um, I don't I mean, I don't know. I feel bad for that's a stupid rule. It's totally opinion. dumb. I mean, it's yeah, that's a stupid rule. The rule, well, the rule 
I don't have, sorry. Maybe we're, let's make, let me uh, see where you're coming from. I would say the rule is fine. He knows the rule. And even if he doesn't know the rule, it's still a rule. The, to me, like, the biggest problem was you, like you resolve it. Like if you, if, if, they, if it doesn't get caught within, like by the time he ends his round or certainly like within a couple hours after the round, it's like, it's over. Game's over. Buzzer is gone off. You don't go back and restart an NBA game or you don't go back and adjust the results of something. So that, that's my issue. No, not the rule itself. Like the rule is the rule. Um, to me, it was the not catching the rules violation until pretty much the next day. Yeah. I mean, I, I, I agree. I think if it, there has to be a time limit, I guess you would have to say is like, Hey, it, but at the same time, I, I just don't understand how, yeah, that's I'm I'm with you. It, it you shouldn't have to wait till the next day to find out that you broke a rule without it. It's not like he meant to break the rule, and so I don't know. It's just it's it's I, I, he's not getting picked on because I think it would have been if it, anybody. It's not a Cam Smith thing. I know there's some rumors out there about Cam Smith sure. going going elsewhere. I don't think he's getting picked on for that. Um, I think if it would have been Scotty Scheffler. Scotty Scheffler would have have a two stroke penalty too. Um, I just don't like the fact that it takes so long for them to find to make yeah. the ruling. I totally guess. agree. If it, like, um, totally agree. It should not have been a penalty enforced yeah. after the fact. Yeah, I agree. Totally, totally agreeance, and I, I I'll go a step further that if he wants to hit his golf ball off of a red line, he should be able to hit a golf ball off of a red line. Uh, but I don't care either way. Um, stupid. Anyways, here's something I want to know. Country clubs are normally closed on Monday. How many members tomorrow have a snapshot of Willie Z's ball on the rock <laughs> on, the, on 11 are, are going to go place a ball right there and see, and see if that ball can pop up and out. I mean, forget the members, dude. I was thinking that after Cam got his trophy presentation that he should go back and put the ball there and try that shot to see what happened. <laughs> oh, yeah. Yeah, no doubt. <laughs> Willie definitely needed the... I just wanted Cam, to see yeah, what Willie, the heck... Sorry. Yeah, but I just wanted to see what the heck would have happened. But uh, that's crazy. Uh, that that was just a wild, wild ending. I got to say that. Yeah. Uh, I can tell you what would happen. The ball would have gone back in the water and he would have been screwed. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> Um, well, lots, uh, any, I guess anything else from St. Jude? I mean, um, leaderboard, you know, obviously outside of the top I, two. Yeah. I think it's crazy that Willie Z jumps, jumps to number one, but, uh, you know, there's a lot of other golf action this weekend. Where do you want to go next, JT? Oh man. Um, you know, a pod favorite, somebody we've had on this podcast before, Maya Stark on yeah, the tell LPGA. Me, tell me about yeah, it was a kind of a cool event. I didn't really have on my radar. I think after the Women's British ended uh, two weekends ago, I probably uh, kind of let the LPGA fall off my radar a little bit. But it was actually a mixed event where they had a men's competition and a women's competition going on at the same time, same course, equal purses, uh, but two separate prizes but it was an official LPGA event. 
And Maya Stark, former OSU Cowgirl, uh, gets her first LPGA Tour win. She goes 10 under on the final day. Impressive, impressive stuff. Sets the course record, sets the tournament record, and gets her first LPGA win. Uh, I believe that gets her automatic membership onto the LPGA Tour. I think she had won. Really? Yeah, I think she had won four. They changed that rule either for this season or maybe it was last season because it, it didn't used to be that if you won as a non-member, because she's not a member of the LPGA Tour, that uh, that you got automatic status, and now you do. She is a um, ladies' European Tour member and had actually bagged four victories on that circuit since she went pro, um, I guess it was before this past college season. So big, big time deal for Maya Stark. She's like, she's really fun to watch and uh, an absolute baller. So that kind of percolated me early on what Sunday morning, uh, more coffee golf, which we're kind of getting at the end of coffee golf season, which makes me a little bit sad. So that'd be one place I would take us in terms of golf action. Um, what else was out there? Well, the Corn Ferry um, Tour had had their championship, right? Yep, K, yep, KFT Tour Championship. And I think that solidified um, the final 25. So the top 25 at the end of the Tour Championship on the Corn Ferry, season, Corn Ferry Tour season uh, get automatic tour cards for next year on the PGA Tour. So that's a big deal. For those guys, no doubt. Yeah. Any uh, any of the Boomer Sooner boys or Cowboys in the top 25? Didn't have any Sooners so. or Cowboys um, get into that top 25. Um, I believe it was uh, Carl Wang, Yuan, Yuan, Carl Yuan, okay. that uh, finished first uh, for the... Um, uh, KFT top 25, but <clears throat> all is not lost. All hope is right. not lost for the, uh, for the local boys, because I believe it's the top 75 go on to corn fairy finals. Okay. And have, um, three tournaments, um, the Boise event, the Columbus, Ohio event, and then the, um, the Newburgh, Indiana, the big, big national event, basically the next three weeks to um, try to earn their cards. I believe the top 25 from that also um, get conditional status on the PGA Tour. So there will uh, and be, I have, I have some a, hope. I haven't been on in a couple of weeks, and I'm sure you've already, you guys have already probably covered it, but uh, Norman is getting a Corn Ferry Tour uh, event. It is. It is Norman, Oklahoma. Yeah. Corn Ferry tour is coming. Well, I don't know if we have talked about it since the official announcement. Um, but next June, I believe the dates are like the 19th through the 23rd. Jimmy Austin, OU golf club is hosting and actually has a three year commitment to host an event on the corn Ferry tour. Uh, I believe it's the like compliance bank invitational or something like that. Awesome. Not a sponsor. So I didn't matter right now. If I butcher their name, maybe we'll talk, but yeah, I'm stoked about that. We, we uh, are starved for professional golf events uh, in this state. And so that was a huge deal. 
Obviously, we broke that story on Twitter a couple days before the official announcement uh, to sources who will remain nameless, so they will remain sources. Uh, But yeah, the KFT coming to Jimmy Austin. I've already... uh, I've already blocked out the whole week, brother. The old YSO <laughs> working schedule is uh, already. I had, I had to I actually had to push it out a lot further than we had planned, so that I could add that we, to the uh, calendar. We better we we better be behind the ropes on that one. I would think we will uh, be inside. Not we're always behind the ropes. Oh yeah, inside <laughs> the ropes. I guess is what I meant. Yeah, inside the ropes. <laughs> Inside the ropes uh, should be nice. I think there's going to be a pretty cool um, pro-am that's happening that Wednesday before that uh, wink, wink, we might be able to get ourselves into. So, yeah, the folks that will be playing in the event still kind of up for discussion. Um, And, again, those kind of next 50 guys, some names that stand out that our listeners will be familiar with. Pearson Cootie uh, is in that next set. Austin Eckroat, uh, Sam Stevens, a local guy. And then uh, obviously Quaid and um, our man Logie Mack um, have a chance to move up the list um, and earn some status for next year, not only on the PGA Tour, but uh, locking in things for the Corn Ferry. And I keep calling it, I kept saying the Corn Ferry Tour Championship, the last event of the Corn Ferry season. The Corn Ferry Tour Championship is, in fact, that last event. So fun stuff there. And uh, it's officially KFT Championship season. Um, championships were also handed out here locally, my friend. And um, sad to say... Uh, they were not handed out to us. They were not. I am, of course, talking about the Lincoln Park 100th anniversary tournament that happened this past weekend. Had a couple of events, uh, both a scramble championship on the East Course and a two-man best ball event on the West Course that me and my compadre Scooter Competed in against some man, some fierce competition out there. Scotty, let's let's break it down. Let's break it down for the listeners, um, in terms of what happened out at Lincoln Park this past weekend. Uh, yeah, where do you want to start? Um, I guess obviously we start on hole number ten. Uh, as a shotgun shotgun start, there were some really good sticks out there. Uh, there were four or five uh, guys that I have become acquaintance that I know are pretty good sticks from Gallardia Country Club. There were uh, four or five teams that I know are really good sticks from the Greens Country Club. Um, and then there's some of the guys that you you know you know I think some Oklahoma City Country Club guys, and then some guys that were just play a whole lot of Lincoln a whole lot. Um, but I felt like that from the faces that I saw, there were some really good golfers out there. Well, talking about um, the sticks, I mean, um, gross division. So gross scores, uh, a, a five under par 66 won the gross division. Uh, there was actually two five under 66 handled by a scorecard playoff. So, uh, Sean and Josh, Sean Simpson and Josh Simpson take the, um, 
the gross division, uh, Leanne Fairley and Michaela Derenzio were there in second, also with a five under 66. So uh, the ladies showing out. And then on the net side, which we really had our eyes on, uh, Gary Jones and Richard Combs shoot a, a 61 minus 10 best ball. Uh, so man. very impressive as a two-man team. We were in the sixth spot. Um, had the fourth best score, uh, six under sixty-five. Uh, but again, with some scorecard playoff shenanigans, we're there in the in the sixth hole. Uh, not not a right bad now, showing. I'm I'm keeping my head held high. Um, six under for me and you. Uh, I mean, if you want to go look at total scores, JT, I think you shot a 76. I did. I shot a, I shot a 78. And you tell me that we're going to do that. I'm going to say we're right there in, in, in the running. Absolutely. I mean, um, yeah, my best score of 2022, I believe your second best score of 2022. Yeah. So well, not, not a whole lot else we could do, right? That's that's the best I've ever scored at Lincoln in my, in my lifetime. 78 is the best I've ever shot at Lincoln. Um, you were, I think one over on the back nine. I think I was two. I think I shot a 38. What is it? Is it 35 or 30? It's 35 on the back, right? 35 on the back. Yep. So I was three over on the back. Um, man, you know, your putter was pretty hot. You chipped in for birdie. I mean, really the one thing, you know, we ham and egged it. There were a couple holes that, you know, I was kind of, you know, not necessarily out of, but I bogeyed, and then you, you'd either birdie or par it, or, and then vice versa. I really like looking back at it. The one thing I, you know, you, I think you had two just gross birdies. Yep. You had a, yeah, you had a two net one on the par three, and then you had another birdie. I, I just never, I didn't have a gross birdie. Um, I had some net birdies, but I didn't have like a two or um, three for two, or, two for you know, one, three kind for of thing. two, something like that. You know, I had the five, four on the par fives that were needed. Um, but you know, I, I still say uh, 76 and a 78. I thought we, I thought we had a pretty good showing. Absolutely. Had a great showing. And while, you know, the net's always fun and the place that we probably had the best chance to actually, you know, bring home a, a podium finish or maybe a, a victory. I gotta say, I'm just as proud of us on the, on the gross front. I mean, we finished yeah. 24th gross out of like 50, six teams shot yeah. one over yeah. uh one I mean, over gross so that's 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 yeah. balling out I mean, man i know he listens to the pod so i mean when chevy Laguerre is shooting whatever he shot and his partner is Fer- is ferg and ferg's grandfather has a lot to do with lincoln park so he was wanting to play in it um they're both like i think they're both a one handicap um one or two they clipped us they, by five <laughs> yeah and they and but they shot six under net and so, right, um, yeah. you know, you put anytime I'm tying those two guys, I know I played pretty well. Wait, is Ferg's uh, granddad uh, UC Ferguson? Yes. Holy crap. That's crazy. Yeah. Uh, for those who don't know the name UC Ferguson, the long, 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 long time head pro out at Lincoln Park basically made that place what it is, which actually is a decent segue to one of the things every participant got in their uh, kind of goodie bag was a book, booklet, yep. that Bob Blackburn from the Oklahoma Historical Society helped 
put together that was a history of Lincoln Park. Um, you can actually buy one of those out at Lincoln. I think they're like 15 bucks, and all the proceeds go to the Historical Society and Youth Golf. So I would highly suggest getting that. And UC's in it a bunch. Oh, yeah. in it a lot. Yeah, UC was the guy who, like, was the coach for Susie Maxwell Burning, who uh, won, like, four U.S. Opens and uh, was in the golf, just recently got inducted to the Golf Hall of Fame. I guess that's also another segue to point everyone back to the podcast we did that featured Lincoln Park's 100-year history. I believe we posted that back on uh, July 4th or thereabouts. Uh, So I would highly suggest anybody who has interest in Lincoln Park's history, which there is a ton of, uh, to go check out that pod as well and pick up that booklet produced uh, by Lincoln and Bob Blackburn. Scott, the the Fairway Files segment is not over because we're rolling down 35 this weekend. We had a two-man this past weekend. We have a kind of a two-man event this weekend down at Dornick Hills, some supercell action, the Red River Refuge Rally. I believe it's been deemed the R4 ball this year. Um, Oklahoma versus Texas, man. Gonna, gonna, we're going to do some uh, Red River battling, you know? Uh, your first time to Dornick, I believe, won't it be? Uh, yes, yes, it will. So I'm excited. Um see what happens but yeah let's uh i got the horns down already um and what's i'm all about uh bringing home a championship for oklahoma same here man we uh we were able to clip those guys last year literally by one stroke i think that um i don't remember the totals but uh both in the um the overall team and in the uh in the two-man race uh courtesy of none other than Reagan Smith, our man Schmitty dunked an eagle from like 130 yards on the 15th hole. And that was the, the uh, deciding factor in last year's event. Can't wait to defend the title. I believe the format is um, two man net best ball, but for stroke score. So we'll add all those up. I believe there's nine two man teams on each side. Cumulative score will add up and see where that puts us against the Texas squad. And then, equally as important, whoever finishes as the low net individual this weekend will earn an entry into the No Laying Up Nest Invitational Tournament that happens every year down in Jacksonville in early November. So lots on the line down at Dornick, and uh, I'm excited. I have played it several times, have not played it since Tom Doak, performed his uh, renovation restoration of Perry Maxwell's original course there in Ardmore. And so I'm, I'm jacked to see it um, since he put his hands on it. No doubt about it. Yeah. It, look, it looks cool um, from what I've seen on social media and what I've read about is that even like Doke, I think even took into consideration that uh, putting some greens back in the, like the original spot, um, I think, I don't know, I can't remember which holes off the top of my head, but there were some greens that got moved event, you know, at one point, and then I think Doug moved them back to the, an original spot. And right, did some right. Some other cool, cool things, too. So, uh, yeah, definitely excited to see the uh, the shaping and the undulation of another Perry Maxwell mixed in with a little Tom 
Tom Joke. So, absolutely, man. I am uh, excited to see it and excited to see the changes. Uh, I will give one more plug. If you're a Perry Maxwell aficionado or like Perry Maxwell golf courses, the Perry Maxwell Society is a thing. And I believe we'll be having an event down at Dornick if you've never been able to play it or haven't been able to play it since the renovation uh, coming up in October. So if you are interested in the Perry Maxwell Society, hit us up on Twitter at YSO Golf and we will uh, get you some information. Scott, we got some big events coming up this weekend. We have the U.S. Amateur. We're coming off the U.S. Women's Amateur. Now we are going over to the guys' side. This is one I get stoked about every single year. Um, Let's talk a little USAM, buddy. Um, How about this? I I, I, I scrounged up a few stats for you. I thought you would like this first one. The Ray age range. And this is the great thing about golf, folks. The age range of participants in the USAM this year is 15 years old to 60 years old. How about that? That's incredible. I mean, what other sports at high-level competition can a 15-year-old and a 60-year-old play in the same competition? It's wild. Isn't it something like the only like the only thing about eligibility is a competitor can't have like a handicap index exceeding like a 2.4? That is correct. Like, is, if you are a 2.4 like, or better, you can um, attempt to qualify – for the USAM um, through one of the numerous. Uh, I think that's so cool. Like that's like the only rule. It's the only rule. Yep. Like doesn't matter where you're age, from. Like, doesn't matter if you're a private limit. course guy. Doesn't matter if you're yeah. college guy. Doesn't matter what it is. No age limit. You yeah. just have to have a low enough handicap, and you can absolutely, um, you can absolutely play in the USAM. Uh, pretty pretty cool. Have a bunch of local guys teeing it up this week um, on the Boomer Sooner side. I believe Patrick Welch, Jake Hallbrook, and Ben Lorenz are all in the field. And then uh, the Cowboys have a ton of uh, guys in the field. Uh, Dylan Stewart, Hazen Newman, uh, Brian Stark, Rasmus Niergaard peterson and Bo Jinn all in the field. And so um, a lot of OU and OSU representation uh, this week. And on top of that, man, there are some uh, some absolute hitters yeah. playing in this thing. Um, guys that uh, you will definitely, um, you know, names I guess you would recognize. Going down through some of the folks that are uh, exempt into the field, you got Ludwig Aberg out at Texas Tech, Sam Bennett at A&M in the field, Fred Biondi of Florida, um, Win Yi Ding, who just knocked off the U.S. Junior Amateur in the field. Um, our man, right, it's my man. I don't know how you feel about him, but my man Stewie Hags, Stuart hmm. Hagestad in the field uh, via his... U.S. Mid-Am win from a year ago. And uh, mentioned Ben Lorenz uh, from OU, a fairly highly ranked player. David Puig, a guy who has already teed it up in a live event. Interesting. He'll be um, teeing it up this week. 
Uh, Gordon Sargent, highly ranked kid from Vanderbilt. So again, Michael Theodore Bjornsson, folks will remember him from what was that? The Travelers that he has such a high yeah. finish. Uh, Travis Vick, University of Texas. Um, again, just a stacked field. From, Stark's uh, playing, right? Uh, Brian Stark. Brian Stark from OSU yeah. Uh, yeah. is in the field. And Lud- is Lud- Ludwig Edberg? Ludwig yeah. is in the field. So it's a it's kind of a who's who out there. When it comes to amateur golf, a ton of high-level college players uh, teeing it up this week at the host site of Ridgewood Country Club. I don't know if a lot of folks are familiar with Ridgewood, Scotty. I don't. I mean, um, it's an old-school course. Yep. A.W. Tillinghast. Um, I believe. I mean, heck, uh, Byron Nelson served as an assistant professional there in nineteen thirty in the nineteen thirties. There's some history so this- for you. There's a, uh, yeah, it's old. It's, I guess that's the best way to explain it. It is old. The, uh, the club at Ridgewood, I think goes back to like 1890. This particular golf course, I believe was a 1929. I hope I don't mess that up. Um, so it definitely has some history to it. Now, Gil Hans, um, who a lot of our listeners will be familiar with came in uh, several years ago and did the all important renovation restoration that so many of these, uh, what would you say? Golden age courses right. are needing to uh, be able to host events like this. Uh, but Ridgewood is definitely in the uh, private country club circles known as quite a, quite a track. Um, now it is interesting. They actually have 27 holes. So what we're yep. going to see uh, this weekend is kind of a composite course. Uh, yeah, the routing's routing's kind of cool. The routing is actually really cool. Uh, I think holes one through seven of the East Nine, followed by two through six of the Center Nine, and then four through nine of the West Nine is how that's going to be played. Pretty, pretty cool. Yeah, always cool. I love stuff like that, man. It's uh, Gets me all geeked out when we talk about composite routing. So, man, just just great oh. stuff. Um, schedule for this week. What are they? What are they doing, Scooter? We got uh, we yeah, got some match so, play, right? Some match play qualifying yeah. followed by uh, uh, excuse me, stroke play qualifying followed yeah, by some match play. play. So, to, I think today you got eighteen holes of stroke play. Uh, tomorrow, Tuesday, August sixteenth, you got eighteen holes of stroke play. And then Wednesday, I think, is really when you can start seeing it on the broadcast. Uh, we'll have the round of 64 match play. Uh, Thursday will be the round of 32 matches. Friday, the quarterfinal matches. Saturday, the semifinals. And Sunday will be the 36-hole championship match. Um, TV-wise, pretty much cover it on uh, Wednesday. Wednesday it kind of starts at 3 p.m. on Peacock, round of 64. Um, and then Thursday Peacock and then in the afternoon, starting at noon, you can watch it on the golf channel Friday quarterfinals Peacock, uh, until noon. And then once it's at noon, it goes over to the golf channel Saturday golf channel from three to six. And then Sunday, the championship match will be from two to five Eastern time. So I think one to four on the golf channel. So. Lots, gotta watch it. Lots gotta of coverage. It. Lots of coverage for you to yeah. take in. Again, one of the best events of the year. Because again, much like the ladies, these guys uh, kind of live and die. For some of these guys, it'll yeah. be like the biggest tournament they ever play in. Because not everybody in this event goes on to the professional ranks. Yeah. 
Um, the, passion, the passion is awesome. Now, one thing I want, just in case we have any listeners from Arcola Country Club, the stroke play portion of the tournament, the qualifying actually takes place over two courses, the, the composite routing okay. at Ridgewood and Arcola Country Club. I just didn't want to leave. That was on me. I, I did not want to leave Arcola out because I'm sure we have a lot of listeners up in, up in Jersey that uh, would not want us to uh, overlook Arcola Country Club. Now, Scooter, on the board, on our agenda, you have a little something, what the champion receives yeah what do you what do you got there for right? us i mean i mean people are sitting there going okay you you win the you win the amateur what 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 does that win you right because you would think money right when you win a tur- golf tournament everyone's like oh you're winning money well if you're an amateur uh i don't think you can win money do they win money that would be correct money. no money no money so, is exchanging uh, hands what the champion does receive though is a gold medal uh they win custody of the Havemeyer trophy for one year. Havemeyer. That, that's Have not even Meyer. that's not even an Asian word, Scott. Come on. Sorry. You can do better. I mean, Havemeyer. <laughs> uh, exemption from qualifying for the next 10 U.S. amateurs. Wow, uh, that's big. Uh, exemption into the 2023 U.S. Open at the Los Angeles Country Club. Uh, and they will get exemption into the 2023 Open Championship Conducted by the RNA must be an amateur still to do that one, and then likely an invitation into the 2023 Masters tournament. Yep, but, that's the uh, uh, that's definitely the golden ticket right there. That's the golden ticket. But again, asterisk must still be an amateur when the Masters rolls around. Exactly to be able to do that. Exactly. So, so um, and most guys who win this tournament. Uh, decide to remain amateur yeah. for another year so that they can play in the Masters. Now, one cool right. thing about this is whoever wins in the semifinal matches and make that championship match, traditionally, both the winner and the runner-up get an invite to the Masters. And so that's pretty cool. I can remember uh, Dayton Rose, a uh, friend of the pod, telling a story about the U.S. Amateur Pub Links Championship, which is a uh, um, a turn and now defunct tournament that used to offer if you if you win you got into the Masters, and he said that once he got into that final, that's the only thing he could think think about you know the night before. Right. So it will certainly weigh on these guys' minds when they're going into those semifinal matches, and that's always the first thing that the the TV people go up and ask him once they win that semifinal match is, oh man, how do you feel about getting invited to the Masters? Right. Uh, so pretty pretty cool stuff. Uh, now. Ridgewood, you know, again, maybe uh, uh, since it kind of sounds like a, the uh, most, what what did you call that? Like the most organic, not, um, what Pristine. word am I looking for here? Well, like Ridgewood just sounds like a typical country club name, right? Yeah. Kind of, you can get mixed up with all the, all the woods and hills and all that stuff. But I, I, sli- I slightly like Bushwood a little bit better than Ridgewood. Bushwood, Ridgewood, Wildwood, a lot of wood out there. Uh, that brings us to future sites, Cherry Hills in Denver, a uh, very famous course. Like in we're 2023, going to that next year, right? Like, uh, I mean, it, one benefit Colorado's would be Colorado in August, right? I'm all in. I'd say we're in. Uh, 2024 Hazeltine National um, yep. has hosted a couple Ryder Cups. 
2025, the Olympic Club in San Francisco. 2026, out at Marion in Pennsylvania. So there's a there's definitely a murderer's row of great golf courses that the AM visits. Um, out in 2032, I see it's abandoned dunes, which is yeah. uh, an interesting, interesting 2032. one. 2032. 10 years from We now. better not plan that far ahead. Um, no. Now, I will say, in terms of future sites for stuff, we got to keep our eye on the 2025 Walker Cup. Another awesome USGA championship team, like the, the amateur version of the Ryder Cup. Right. It's at Cypress Point in 2025. Ian. Yeah. Yeah. Going to be a little California trip on the horizon for the YSO boys. Uh, the other big event of the weekend will be the second event of the PGA Tour FedEx Cup playoffs. We are headed to magical Delaware. Hi. Delaware. I'm in Delaware. Let's go to Delaware. I feel like we should make some picks. We've been, I think, two or three weeks off from making picks between maybe you being gone. Yeah. Uh, we had yeah. a week where we were coming off the British Open. We just said, screw it. We're not going to make picks. We are going to make some picks for the BMW Championship. It is being held at Wilmington Country Club in Delaware, uh, another uh, place that has not been featured on the PGA Tour, so it's exciting to see a new venue uh, albeit in the state of Delaware. So let's get to some picks. Now, Keith, not being here, has sent me his picks, and I will uh, read those off to the folks. But, Scooter, I since you cared to show up for the podcast, I am going to give you first choice of a dark horse, my friend. And remember, dark horses are 10, 000, plus 10,000 or greater on the odds, 100 to 1 or worse. Yeah. Who are you going to throw out there for your dark horse pick? Uh, he is plus 11,000, so I'm going to go Mito Pereira. Mito's been a little quiet lately. I think that's a good choice. Somebody who uh wondering what's going on with his game, but uh, getting him into 110 to 1, I'd, I'd, I'd probably uh, saddle up right there with you. Yeah, um, that's who I like as my dark horse. I am um, going to go with somebody who I cannot believe continues to get such, in my opinion, good odds. Um, keeps playing well, has played well all summer, played well this past weekend in Memphis. That's Denny McCarthy, uh, plus 12,000. Yep. 12,000, yep. I think he can absolutely win this golf tournament as well as he's been playing. Again, not sure what the course is like. He tends to have a hot putter. And if he can drive the ball like he's been driving it, certainly drove it this past weekend in Memphis, which puts a premium on on driving accuracy. I can see him making some noise. Our man Keith going to go with none other than C. Woo. C. Woo Kim shaking that tail feather at plus 10,000 right on our 100 to one number is where Keith is going with his dark horse in snake draft fashion. I'll give you Keith's top tenner. Uh, again, the guy who thinks is going to be a lock for a top 10 cannot disagree with this because he's been doing it week in week out. Tony Finau, where he'd be now is in the top 10 regularly plus 1600 
is where uh, our man Keith is going for his top 10 lock. I'm going to give you, as always, a little more value and talk about somebody who continues to play well. I'm going to keep riding the Ju Young Kim, a.k.a. Tom Kim train, Thomas the train, plus 3,100 to win. Uh, I'm going to take him for my top 10 lock. Scotty, who are you going to lock up there in the, uh, That's in the top I, 10? I knew you were going to go with him in the top 10. Double up, double him. down, baby. Unless you're going to pick him. Uh, I'm going Hovland. I'm going to say Victor Hovland finishes inside the top 10 at plus 2,700. Hovland's playing well right now and um, had a good showing this weekend in Memphis. And so I I think it's time for him to turn it on. Talk about somebody who needs a win on American soil. Let's go, baby. All right, but who is going to win it, in your opinion? Who's who's taking home the BMW and rocketing themselves most likely to the number one spot going into the Tour Championship? I mean, this is the easiest answer. I mean, everybody knows who's going to win this, right? If one, when one Wake Forest guy wins, it's going to be followed up with the other Wake Forest guy. Uh-huh. Cam, Cam Young is now going to win his first tournament uh, at plus 2,400, um, following behind Willie Z. It's just a match made in heaven. Love it. I am going to go... The thing I find in looking back at the different years of the playoffs is when a guy gets hot, he stays hot, and he keeps the pedal to the metal. I'm going to say Willie Z. I'm doubling down. I think Willie Z goes back to back. He's found a way to win. I think he keeps that going. Ball striking travels. Anytime he can hit the ball that poorly with the driver and still win, I like where his game's at. I'm going to say at plus 1,600, he gets it done. It's not a bad pick, to be honest with you. Our man Keith, like our man Keith, is a Sam Burns fan this week. And anytime Sam Burns is picked on this podcast, what do we say, Scooter? Go Tigers! Plus twenty one hundred. So he's giving you the best um, value alongside Cameron Young with Scooter's pick. So take a few of those, place some bets, maybe put a little jingle in your pocket. Dirty birdies rolls on, closing up on the on. end of season two. Get into the Daily Fantasy Sports Contest that Scotty G runs each and every week. You know, bud, this has been a good one. Any parting thoughts? Any parting thoughts? Anything we left on the cutting room floor? You name it, we can talk about it. Man, I don't think I have a whole lot. It's just, you know, I know we're down kind of the grind season, end of of the year, but there's still really good golf being played, um, whether it is a PGA Tour event, an LPGA, uh, something in the amateurs. Try to find it. Uh, the game of golf is definitely uh, pretty cool to watch right now, um, top to bottom. Get out there, try to find it, and uh, go play some golf on your own. You know, get out there. Play Absolutely. Some, Absolutely. Dust them, I, dust them off. Dust, dust them, them off. off. It's uh, we're, there. we're about to get into great <laughs> golf weather season. Yes. Uh, we will keep you up to date. If you're somebody who has a hard time sitting down in front of the TV and catching much of the coverage, we will keep you up to date with everything that's going on with the USAM, FedEx Cup playoffs, uh, you name it, we'll be covering it at YSO Golf on Twitter. If you're not a Twitter person, become one because we have a lot of fun out there with our listeners. Scotty, yep. you nailed it on the head. We got good weather the back half of this week. Everybody get out to your local golf course and enjoy the walk. Yeah.